0: And now we pray that God speaks to you in a personal way as you listen to this week's message from Pastor Adam Camp. Take your Bibles open to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, I thought it'd be good with Rajiv being here this morning to kind of remind us and and kind of help us understand the Lord's calling in our lives, uh, because there are great opportunities uh, there's great need all over the world, and I'm just always blessed when I hear from brothers and sisters from other places to hear that the Lord still is at work all over the world, right? I think sometimes we, we uh, get into this little um, box where we think the Lord is only working in our lives or maybe in our church or in our area, but one of the things I can assure you of in, in the times that I've had the opportunity to travel and speak to believers from other places is the Lord's at work everywhere. He's doing great work there just like he is here. And I want to challenge you this morning based on the truth of God's Word of exactly what we ought to be doing, exactly what we ought to be sharing, because we think about believers like this brother and so many others that work with him on a regular basis. Uh, The amount of time and effort they give up to share the gospel is incredible. I'll, I'll never forget having a conversation with one of the church planters there several years ago and asking him kind of what his life was like, and he talked a little bit about his work and and how he disciples people in their local villages, and I asked him, you know, what does that look like for you? What does discipleship look like for you? And what they typically do there is they'll go and they'll share the gospel, kind of the Luke 10 model, and if a household kind of prays or someone in that house prays to receive Christ, they'll go and disciple the people of that household. And I said to this brother, I said, what what is discipleship like for you? How are you actually discipling these people? And he said, well, after I finish the work, I go over there and I spend the whole evening with them sharing and studying God's Word. And I said, is that something you do, you know, once a week or once a month? He said, no, no, I do that every day. I do that every day until this group, this family is ready and able to share their faith and lead others to Christ in their area And then once that happens, I go and I start the process over again. And I thought, man, the level of commitment there, right? Their mansions in heaven are going to be way bigger than mine. What they give up and what they sacrifice. And so I just want to be kind of really confronted, maybe is the right word, with the truth of the gospel and challenged with exactly what we're doing and how we're living. So Luke chapter 10 is the spot we're going to be this morning. Just a few verses. I want to remind you of what Jesus is doing at this time. He's already kind of set his face to Jerusalem, he's walking back for the last time, he's walking to certain death. He knows he's going to be arrested, he's going to be tried, he's going to be crucified. And yet in the midst of these last days, instead of him being concerned for his life or sad or woe is me, he gives his followers a very clear command and a very clear challenge, and I want to look at that this morning. Luke chapter 10. First three verses. After this, the Lord, that's Jesus, appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. I'm going to give you the first truth here, and it's amazing to me because it was true in the first century, and it's still true today. Number one, the world desperately needs Jesus. The world desperately needs Jesus. That's true here. It's true in India. It's true in Africa. It's true all over the world, and we see great need. And one of the things I love about this church is we have people that are faithful and willing to go. And so we send teams to Guatemala and Zambia and Indian, Romanian. We'll send a team to Alaska. And we've got a, a youth team going to Boston. And there are other Nicaraguas, something we're praying about in the future and exploring opportunities. I love that this church goes. I love that this church sends. But I want to encourage you and challenge you that even if you go on one of those trips, and I hope you do, by the way, even if you go on one of those trips, that represents one to two weeks of your year. What are you doing the other 50 or 51 weeks? Because there's a great need all over the world for the name of Christ to be proclaimed, but there's also a great need here. Right, there are thousands of people within driving distance of our church that don't know Jesus. And so as we think about how Jesus is living here and what Jesus is doing and he's sending these people out into the villages that he's about to go to. Right, This is the local ministry Jesus is doing here. And he talks about Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth, and Acts. But we understand that his primary focus with these disciples in Luke chapter 10 was the local people that needed the gospel, the villages that he was about to walk into. And we understand that just like in the first century, people still need Jesus Today, I did a little research this week, and I want to read from a couple of uh, studies that were done in the last couple of years. One of them is from Pew Research. Here's what they said. Since the 1990s, large numbers of Americans have left Christianity to join the growing ranks of U.S. adults who describe their religious identity as atheist, agnostic, or nothing in particular. This accelerating trend is reshaping The U.S. religious landscape leading many people to wonder what the future of religion in America might look like. Gallup did a similar study. Here was their findings. A record low 20% of Americans now say the Bible is the literal word of God. Down from 24% at last time the question was asked in 2017. Meanwhile, a new high of 29% say the Bible is a collection of fables, legends, history, and moral precepts recorded by man. U.S. church membership was 73% when Gallup first measured it in 1937 and remained near 70% for the next six decades before beginning a steady decline around the turn of the 21st century. Americans' membership in houses of worship continued to decline last year dropping below 50% for the first time in Gallup's eight-decade trend. Right Numbers across the board in the United States and and really other parts of the world are on the decline, right? That's really across denominations. Church attendance is down, baptisms are down, salvations are down. Praise the Lord. The the, the, the Lord is doing great work here at Rosemont. We don't fit into these trends right now. Praise the Lord. We're going to continue to work so that doesn't happen. But we understand that there is a great need for Jesus all over the world, including the villages and the towns and the cities that we live in. I want you to notice what Jesus says here in verse 2. This is really important for us to kind of grasp what's happening here, right? Jesus said to them, the first half is real obvious, the harvest is plentiful, right? We get that. That's kind of the no-brainer. But here's the problem. The laborers are few. Right, there's always going to be a group of people that need Jesus. Right, and there's somebody in your life right now, and you maybe can think of that person as you kind of sit there and wonder and ponder and pray. There might be somebody in your life that you know needs Jesus. The problem isn't that there's a lot of people. We know there's a lot of people. The problem is the workers, that's you and me, are few. There's not enough believers willing to share their faith to make a difference. You understand that? There's not enough believers that are willing to walk out into the fields of harvest and actively share their faith. And so Jesus challenges these people in verse 2 again. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, he says, here's what we got to do about it. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Here's the second thing. We should pray that the Lord will send workers. We understand that there's a need, right? We get it. The world needs Jesus. We understand that there aren't enough people that are willing to go. We should actively be praying that the Lord would send people, including ourselves, into the fields of harvest to share the gospel. And Some of you might be thinking, I hear what you're saying. I hear it. I understand. The Lord's calling people to go out and, and share their faith. But, but isn't that really just the job of the church leadership, Adam? I mean, isn't that the job of the pastors or the deacons or Sunday school leaders or whatever the case is? not that the job kind of just of the leader? Isn't that their job to go out and share and tell people about Jesus? Well, the short answer to that is yes, of course it is. And you should hold your leaders accountable for doing that, right? We should be willing to go and share and preach the gospel. But it's not just about leadership. It's about everybody, Jesus called His disciples to go, and we're reminded in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus said to His disciples, Whoever wants to be My disciple must deny himself, take up their cross, and follow Me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for Me will find it. There's this idea that if you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're going to be a Christian, if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, you've got to be willing to take up your cross And follow him and so we would say it is the job of leadership but it's also the job of everybody else that we're willing to go and we're willing specifically to pray that the Lord would send people into the fields to share their faith in Christ this idea of praying for the lost is something we find really throughout Scripture in fact Paul on a couple of different occasions in Romans chapter 10 verse 1 he says brothers My heart's desire and prayer to God is that they may be saved. There's there's this sense that we should be praying for the lost. You might remember Jesus, as he's being crucified, just before he dies, he prays in Luke 23, 34, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus is literally praying for the lost from the cross. Now, if I went around and polled everybody, and I said, listen, tell me a a little bit about your personal quiet time. And by the way, we would say that everybody on some sort of a regular basis should be in God's Word, should be praying. We don't want to be legalistic about it, and we don't want to say if you don't do it at 8 a.m. every day, the Lord's going to be angry with you. We're not looking for that, but we are looking for some sort of a regular process, right? Like you may not eat the same exact time every day, but you eat every day, right? So we need to have this ongoing, regular, I'm in God's Word, I'm praying. If I were to ask you, what's your prayer life like? What are the sorts of things you're praying for? A lot of us would go through a list of, man, there's things in my life with family, or there's some work issues, or children, or marriage, or sickness, and all those things are good, and we should pray for all those things. How often are we praying for the lost? Like, how often are we actually writing down names of people that I work with, that I sit with at lunch, that I play sports with, all right, that I know from something I've done in the past? How many people are we actually writing down? How many names have we written in some sort of a prayer journal or maybe in our Bibles to remind us that we, on a regular basis, should be praying for the lost, right? Jesus says, listen, we know that there's the lost. There are people that are lost in India, There are people lost in Troop County. There are people lost all over the world. That's not the issue. The issue is that there aren't enough workers, and there are not enough workers because we're not praying enough that the Lord would send people to reach the lost. Now, I want you to notice how Jesus kind of finishes this in verse 3. Verse 2, the harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Notice what he says right here in verse 3. Therefore, you sit around, Christian, and think that the other person will do it for you. Is that what it says? That's what we think it says. Oh, the guy next to me is going to do this. You're not talking to me, are you? I mean, I, I hear you, but I got a lot of stuff going on, and, and I can't do that. And I can't, what about the guy next to me, right? He should do this. That's not what Jesus says. Verse 3, go on your way. Behold, I'm sending who? Say it. You. You. I'm sending you. Out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Here's truth number three. We must go share the gospel. We got to be willing to go. We can can talk all we want. We can think all we want. We can have great discussions about the need. We can sit in our small groups, our life groups, and think and talk, and all those things are good. We should actively be praying. We're commanded to pray. But when the rubber meets the road, we got to be willing to go and I say this all the time, I feel like I need to say it more and more because our our world becomes more and more passive and more and more uh, uh, apathetic about so many things. I think we need to be reminded on a regular basis that Christianity is not a spectator sport. It's not I get saved and I just kind of sit around for 50 years and I go to heaven. It's I get saved and then I do everything within my power in the days that the Lord has given me to share the gospel and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what we see scripturally. That's what we see, frankly, in other places with other believers. And yet sometimes we find ourselves pointing our finger at everybody else. The Lord called you to go, but I'm too busy to do it. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, the Great Commission, Jesus says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Right? Acts 1.8, he says basically the same thing. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Right? We've got to be willing to go. We've got to be willing to share. We've got to be willing to step out on faith and do things that may not necessarily be comfortable for us for the sake of the kingdom. Because Jesus says, listen, we know there's the lost, the problem is we need more workers. We need people willing to go. We need people willing to share. I'm, I'm really excited about something we're going to be doing in the fall. We're praying about it and talking about it for several months as a team. And we're, we're looking ahead to, to, to the October, November timeframe. But We're going to kind of produce as a church, and you'll hear more about this in the months ahead, we're going to produce a devotional. It's a little more than a 40-day devotional, but a, a, a approximately 40 days of devotions that are going to encourage you in personal evangelism. It's going to encourage you to share your faith. It's going to encourage you to actually write down the names of people that you want to pray about. Write down the names of people that you want to share with. It's going to encourage you to share your faith at, at home, if necessary, or at work, or wherever it may be. But I want to just encourage and challenge us with this truth. We've got to live our lives for Jesus in such a way that it impacts the world. It can't be passive. It's got to be active. We got to be willing. So I want to finish up this morning with five just real practical things you can do when it comes to sharing your faith, things that are, I think, pretty easy for us to do, things we can employ right now in our lives. Here's the first one, just simple ways. The The first one is just clearly share the gospel. What I mean by that is just learn some sort of a gospel presentation. It could be the Roman road. Many of you have learned the Roman road over the years. It could be the old faith evangelism strategy. We did that for a number of years. I still use that sometimes, F-A-I-T-H. It could be a circles, right? I several different evangelism models. But every person, listen, every believer ought to know some sort of an evangelistic process they can talk through with somebody if given the chance. You don't have to preach a sermon on Romans. but will be able to explain to people what salvation is. People explain who Jesus is. And if you say, man, I'd love to learn one of those. Can you help me? Of course, call me. I'm happy to send you information. I can sit down with you and walk you through the Roman road. There's lots of different things you can do, but you need to have that in your back pocket. You need to have that in your back pocket if you need it. If I need to share the gospel, here's how to do it. That's the first simple thing you can do. Here's another way you can help people uh, learn about the Lord and learn about all he's doing is you can show genuine love and concern for people right where they are. I want one of the big things missing in our world is love and concern for people, right? We, we've got the, I believe as Christians, we should have the market cornered on that because Jesus loved me and he knows exactly who I am. He knows how ugly my heart is. But because of what he's accomplished on the cross, he's offered me forgiveness, right? We need to show people the same sort of love Jesus shows to us. And you'll be amazed when you show people kindness. And when you show people love how they respond to that, it's not rocket science. It's not difficult. Just love somebody in the name of Jesus. And then when they say to you, man, you're different. I don't understand why you care about me. I don't understand why you're so compassionate to me. It's because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Now's your opportunity, right? A chance to share the gospel. Here's the third thing you do. You can share your personal testimony. That's easy. We used to teach your testimony as kind of what I was before I received Christ, my salvation experience, what my life has been like since. Everybody can write out a testimony. Everybody can spend five minutes writing what the Lord has done in their lives. You can prepare that and have that ready, and the opportunity arises for you to share your faith with somebody. Here's another kind of simple one you can do, and I know a lot of people that have done this over the years. You can buy a Christian book for somebody and read it together with them. You may say, you know what, I just started this book. It's fascinating. I think you might enjoy it. Can I buy you a copy and then let's read it together, maybe a chapter a week or whatever you decide on, and we'll meet for breakfast or lunch on a regular basis. We'll talk through this book. It'll be an opportunity for you to get in a room, maybe with some unbelievers, start a book club on your street, get to know some people maybe that you live near by reading through a book, having an opportunity now to think about and share the love of Christ, a simple way to do it. And then maybe the easiest one to do is just invite people to church. Or we can invite somebody to church. I do that all the time. That's an easy thing. And I use the pastor card. Uh, I use this all the time. I was like, you know, I'm a pastor, so I have to ask this. Where do you go to church? Oh, well, I don't go to church. Really? Well, we'd love to have you run. You're in, man. Just asking somebody a simple question like this, an opportunity now for you to have a gospel conversation with them, right? There's no real wrong answer here. The idea is we ought to be willing to share our faith. We ought to look out in the world and see, man, the the gospel is needed. Jesus is needed all over the world. The problem is enough believers aren't going to share their faith. I need to be praying actively that the Lord would send people. I need to be praying actively for the people in my life that are lost. And then I need to be willing to step out of my comfort zone step out on faith i need to be willing to share the gospel no matter what it costs because this is the command that jesus has given me this is the way in which he lived and if we don't tell people about jesus nobody else will either what are we doing to share our faith all right let's pray together father we thank you again for this passage in luke 10 so clear so challenging father so obvious of the need of Jesus and yet Lord there's so few laborers. Lord I know we've probably all read this scripture a hundred times Father help us to take it and move it from head knowledge to heart knowledge challenge and encourage us Father to do something about it Lord to be willing to pray to be willing to go to be willing to share Father as we think about our brothers in India and our sisters in India and all across the world Father help us Challenge us, encourage us to be bold, to live lives that are honoring to you, to step out on faith, Father, to do great things for your kingdom. And Father, we'll give you all the praise and the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.